Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to help you to help yourself. Here is our captain. Yeah. Treat yourself. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are still sipping on this fine beer from 18th Street Brewery called Number Two Pencil. This is a double IPA, double dry hopped with Galaxy and Falconer's Flight Hops. This is a very crushable, drinkable DIPA, garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's some of our friends that we would like to toast for helping us out with this week's beer fund. First up, a big shout to Casey and Dubuque iowa and a big shout out to donna in simpsonville kentucky next a cheers a double-fisted cheers to austin and his gf gianna in parts unknown and also in parts unknown we have alicia b next we have a cheers to nikki from a small town outside of lancaster ohio and last but certainly not least we have meredith and oneata new york everyone i just mentioned everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and contributed to this week's beer fund and that's why i say hey man nice jib yeah b-w-e-r-u-n beer run you want to help out the garage go to itunes and leave us a five-star review it helps the show rank higher in the charts and uh we love you for it that's enough of the business that's right number one in the charts number one in your hearts number one in your hearts grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime Yesterday, Captain, we reviewed a horrific murder, a double homicide, two people killed by two different people in what seemed to be an open and shut case. But turns out not everyone was satisfied with the resolution of Donna's case. Some were skeptical of Mark's story. And this because they knew Donna and saying that some stuff just didn't add up. The main skeptic was Donna's father, Cash Brown. Cash said from the start he didn't feel things were right. For example, he said he observed on a walk with Mark after the funeral that Mark wasn't crying when they discussed what happened to Donna. Another thing that was odd was that Donna was usually very cautious. She would not have left the front door unlocked, he says. And she certainly never would have let Roger Harrington who she was afraid of, into her home. But still, maybe it was simple. Maybe she was distracted. We know she's a new mother. Maybe she's exhausted and had forgotten to lock the door. Maybe Mark forgot to lock the door. Maybe it was just bad luck. 
Or like you said, law enforcement thought maybe Harrington tried to force himself into the home. My issue with that problem is why wouldn't she start screaming at that point because she knew her husband was in the house. And as you so astutely pointed out yesterday, the coffee cup and the cigarettes that belong to Roger Harrington are found inside the winger's home. Yeah, so it it's what, a little here, could you hold my coffee cup while I push my way into your home? Uh, let me grab your hammer while I'm at it. So her father, Cash, he shares his feelings with Donna's sister and her friend. These two decided, hey, we're going to do a little test. So one of them went to the basement, got on the treadmill at Donna's house, and the other one fell loudly onto the floor in the dining room upstairs. The woman on the treadmill says she could not hear anything over the sound of the treadmill. So either Mark has really good hearing, you know, he's got like dog hearing, Mm -hmm. or maybe the thud was extra loud that Mark heard. And Donna's mom and stepdad, we, we need to point out, Mark has plenty of support. Some of this coming from Donna's mother and her stepfather, who not only supported him as far as they were concerned and publicly said so, Mark was almost as much of a victim as Donna was. But there was also someone else who was a little suspicious of Mark Winger. This is Detective Doug Williamson. He didn't believe a word coming out of Mark's mouth. He felt that there was some elements of Roger Harrington's behavior that didn't quite mesh with the story being told by Mark. Now, for one thing, he had parked his car right in front of the winger home on the wrong side of the street facing oncoming traffic, not exactly stealth mode. The beat up sedan stuck out like a sore thumb in the residential neighborhood. Right. Also a crowbar and a knife were found in his car. And we pointed out yesterday, well, he didn't exactly bring the murder weapon to the home with him, but he had some things that could be considered weapons in his vehicle. Well, in fairness, he was carrying his cup of coffee and pack of cigarettes. A man's only got so many arms. Then there was the meeting with Mark Winger that we kind of left off with in yesterday's episode. This is what Roger Harrington's roommates had mentioned that they were under the impression or Roger told them that Mark called and asked him to come to the home. Right. Not that he was showing up there unannounced or unknown to the wingers. The roommates were pretty convinced that Roger was convinced or at least told them a story that convinced them that he was asked by Mark Winger to be at the home. Well, and we have Harrington's car as evidence. Like you said, there's a knife, there's a crowbar, but there's also a note with the winger's address and a, a time. Yeah. If I was going to commit a murder, maybe you have the address, but you wouldn't have, you wouldn't mark down the time. To me, the time determines that he was supposed to have a meeting with them right in the front seat on the front seat of roger harrington's vehicle written on a piece of paper in pen we had the winger's name and address in the time 4 30 but also listening to that 911 call we've done so many cases where there's 911 calls where the person is so frantic to me that's almost plain up Yes, it's a traumatic situation, but this call sounds so frantic, and I never like it when the person disconnects the call, even though Mark Winger is going to call back to 911, but he basically, I have to get my kid. Well, you don't need to hang up. You can, you can stay on the line. I'm going to put the phone down real quick. I got to grab my kid. Detective Williamson said that Mark never told them about any kind of meeting with Roger Harrington. Remember, he was told that Roger Harrington was called that morning and warned to stay away from the house and stay away from the Winger family. So something's not right here, Captain. Something doesn't seem to be all together. Yeah, again, that 4.30 time on the note doesn't go with Mark Winger's story. So initially, Detective Cox was not skeptical. 
And it was in agreement with labeling it as a justified homicide and closing the case. Roger Harrington's sister, Barbara Howell, later said that when she tried to talk to Detective Cox to tell him her brother was not capable of murder and that something didn't add up, she said that the detective was dismissive. Eventually, Detective Cox, he would come around, and this is because his partner, Williamson, wasn't having any of it. In fact, he petitioned his superiors to let him and Detective Cox continue to investigate and initially was told flat out no. Well, again, and and the detective's defense, you also have a, a few things already that are showing you some red flags and that maybe there needs to be a further investigation. And like you stated yesterday, the investigation was only three days long. Well, and some of this stuff almost seems like Mark is calling the investigation into question himself because later what we have is at some point Mark asked the detectives if he can have his gun back. And even though the case was closed and the files were put away, the investigators are working other cases. Mark, he shows up at the police department and he's asking about the progress of the investigation, which is a little bizarre, right? He wanted to know how the case was going. And at the time the case was closed. They had already publicly closed the case. So detective Cox is saying, as far as I was concerned, he would have just accepted it that the case was closed. So this seems to be like a major mistake on Mark's behalf here. We have a co- closed case, but he's asking how the investigation is going. Oh, yes. How bizarre. How bizarre. Yeah, that's stranger than a dress on a donkey. Four months after Donna's death, Mark filed a lawsuit against BART Transportation, the company that employed Roger Harrington. He alleged that BART was negligent in the hiring process, in the hiring of the driver, that the company should have known he was dangerous and unfit for the job. Mark was seeking damages from the company for the wrongful death of his wife. Right. The result of this lawsuit was effectively what would reopen the case. Yeah, because what happens here is you're suing that company, but if that company has an insurance company, then the insurance company is going to do a thorough investigation because they don't want to pay out the money. Mark was hoping that the police evidence of Harrington's guilt would help his case for the damages that he was seeking. And that's not what happened at all. So we have the transportation company, they hire attorneys and they start to prepare to defend this lawsuit. And as a matter of course, requested and received the police documents in the case, the incident report, the crime scene analysis reports, the interviews, all of it. And they began to notice that this case was not as open and shut as everyone had assumed. Bart's lawyers dug in and started sifting through all of the information, asking questions. The detectives worked with them, eager to have the opportunity to revisit this case. But because by this point, Williamson was skeptical He's now got Cox to turn and be skeptical as well. These detectives are going, yeah, we don't think that this was right, that that we got this right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They're happy that someone else is agreeing that Mark might be shady. So Roger Harrington's family, they got themselves a lawyer as well. Oh, yeah. And like we were talking about before, Harrington, yes, has some mental issues and might have some outbursts of uh, violence, but that's a big difference between trying to go somewhere and and grabbing a hammer and bludging somebody to death in February of 1999. So remember she was killed in 95. A woman named Deanne Schultz was deposed by the BART transportation attorneys in the civil case. She was someone that was previously interviewed by police. This is because she was Donna's best friend. There is even video footage available of her holding baby Bailey and sitting next to Donna on a couch. She was one of the people who told investigators about Mark and Donna's marriage and it being a great marriage. But this time under oath in the deposition, four years later, she's telling a very different story about Mark and Donna's relationship. Deanne said that in 1995, her and Mark were having an affair. 
and he had talked to her about killing his wife. Deanne told the detectives that Mark said things to her like, we could be together if Donna just died, and saying theoretically it would be great if he were to go out of town and maybe Deanne found Donna's body. Dun, dun, dun. On the night before, I'm sorry, on the day before the murder, Mark said he was working to get the van driver in his house. So even referring to Roger Harrington by name. Then on the day of the shooting and Donna's murder, Mark asked her, will you love me no matter what? My answer is no. All of this, of course, is super suspicious, obviously. Yeah. But not exactly evidence of a murder. Later, Mark said to her, I think they believe me. I did it for us. She didn't want to ask what he meant. Like he's dropping all these hints to her. She doesn't want to ask him what he meant. He warned her to tell no one of their affair or that their gooses would be cooked, that they both would be in trouble. Well, look on top of that, you have a man. Now you're suspicious of him murdering his wife and murdering this innocent bystander and using him as a pawn, you have to be fearful of your safety that he, what what's going to stop him from doing it to you? Exactly. And she says, you know, I didn't know exactly what all of this meant at the time. Part of me wanted to think that he was just talking crazy, but what the police do, they end up finding a paper trail to back up Deanne Schultz's story to confirm the affair. Well, yeah, because so it goes a little bit deeper. I mean, she for the last few years was having a lot of mental issues and having severe depression because this is a lot to hold in. And on top of that, you had a relationship with this man. He's saying to you, hey, well, if my wife is dead, then we'll be together. Well, now he doesn't want to be with you. And she ended up telling a doctor all this stuff beforehand. Yeah. So to and once she started telling people the truth, it it really started kind of setting her free from the depression and, and all that stuff. The police they tracked down phone records and hotel records. Again, this is four years later after after the death. They tracked down phone records and hotel records. This backing up her side of the story, her version of the story. And what they found was that the affair apparently began about a month before Donna's death and continued for several months after until Mark Winger broke it off, broke off the relationship. Well, right, because when she comes forward and starts talking with the police, the police run this by Mark Winger and he's going, ah, she's, you know, she's not telling you the truth. I don't think he denied that they had a relationship, but I think he was denying uh, many parts of it. So what the police do now that they have their in, they decide let's bring in a seasoned famous crime scene analyst. This person's name is Thomas Bevel to retroactively investigate the crime scene and the evidence. And later he concludes that Donna's death was most likely a staged domestic homicide in which Mark Winger lured Roger Harrington to the home to kill him and frame him for Donna's murder. So let's go through how Bevel came to this conclusion and the evidence that backs up this conclusion. He says that none of Donna's blood was found on Roger Harrington. If he had really been beating her to death on the head with seven lethal blows from a hammer, there would have been blood spatter all over Roger Harrington. Yeah. Instead, there was a long blood spatter cast off stain on Mark Winger's sleeve. The initial gunshot to Roger's head was inconsistent with Mark's story about the shooting him in the face. There was no blood trail from Roger Harrington's head wound to where Donna lay, which there would have been if Roger Harrington had really been beating Donna when Mark shot him. Mm -hmm. Blood spatter showed that Donna was attacked in a location in the home different than where Mark described her being attacked by Harrington. This was the, um, the hallway 
she was running toward the door. And the clincher was the positions of Roger and Donna's bodies. This completely undercut the story that Mark told the detectives at the time. The three Polaroids, remember, they were taken by an officer at the scene. They were looked at and showed the bodies in place at the crime scene. This before EMTs removed them to take them to the hospital to try to save their lives. Mm -hmm. These Polaroids showed that the body placement did not line up again with Mark's tail. Roger Harrington's head and feet were lying opposite to what Mark said happened. If Mark had shot him as he stood up from Donna, he would have fallen backwards off of Donna, which is what Mark said happened. Well, the other problem, too, is there was two separate pools of blood coming from Harrington's head, which would make sense with the eyewitness saying that there was a shot and then a five-minute gap and another shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that there, Captain. But the point here of the body positions was that Roger was found lying facing, oh, sorry, Roger was found lying face up 180 degrees in the other direction with his feet facing the same way as Donna's. So he would have had to have flipped in the air to end up like that if Mark was telling the truth. And you're exactly right. There was those two distinct blood pools that showed that Roger had been turned over before he was shot a second time, something never mentioned by Mark. Yeah, the biggest piece of evidence, and you haven't got to it yet, so I don't want to step on your toes, but he, yes, you you were talking about Mark having blood spatter on his arm. Okay, but you could also maybe argue that away a little bit because at some point he's holding his wife as she's dying. You would expect to see blood smears from someone holding uh, a, a bloody person. You right, would not right. see blood cast off, spatter cast off. Right, but I'm saying one, maybe a, def uh, a good defense attorney might be able to argue that on some level or say, well, maybe Mark was a little bit closer to her during, uh, closer to his wife uh, than he thought he was during the attack. But my biggest issue, my biggest red flag is you're holding your wife. You would lay her down gently. But look at those crime scene photos. She was laying face down. Mm -hmm. Who would do that? Oh, I'm holding you. Oh, uh, now the, the paramedics are here. Let me just dump you down on your face. Well, with all of this information and the new information coming from the, the new crime scene expert retroactively reinvestigating the case. Now we have the detectives who are going to continue to work the case in conjunction with the state attorney's office. And by this point, the BART attorneys, the transportation company, their attorneys were also working with police. And so we got everybody kind of now working against this one time considered hero. Yeah. We, we call that a double whammy. And everybody's now saying, look, this guy, we believe, murdered his own wife and then tried to set this Roger Harrington guy up and killed him in the process to cover everything up. So eventually we have, uh, we already have Roger Harrington's family who was involved in, in, in trying to clear his name. But Mark is going to drop the lawsuit against Bart but it's too late at this point. The damage is done. <laughs> right. He's already kind of opened everyone's eyes as to what probably happened here. Well, yeah, and and law enforcement will tell you this is a misstep. He was he was getting greedy with trying to get money for his wife's death, and that again, you can drop the lawsuit. But if I was the head of that transportation company. Okay, you dropped the lawsuit. I'm going to have my team that I've already paid a bunch of money to finish their investigation. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL 
is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch. Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
We're back. Cheers, everybody. You can't even save yourself. That's right. Well, Captain, all of this leads up to eventually the grand jury is going to indict Mark Winger on charges of first degree murder. But this doesn't take place until August of 2001. And remember, Donna was killed in 95. Roger Harrington killed in 95. And so a lot of time has passed. And in that time, Mark gets remarried. He goes on to have three more children. Gets married to his child's nanny. And he's living a normal life other than this case being reopened and reinvestigated. And, you know, he's seemingly this this good family man. I just don't understand how these shitbags get so many women. I mean, this guy looks like a penis wearing glasses. Needless to say, even though he's charged, we have Mark who decides to plea not guilty. The bond was set at $10 million in his case. At the trial, the prosecution presented all of the evidence that tended to suggest Roger Harrington's innocence and Mark's guilt. They showed the Polaroids and the note in the car. Crime scene experts testified about the positioning of the bodies. Detectives testified about the lack of forced entry. Deanne testified about the affair and the suggestive things Mark was saying to her. And Roger Harrington's family testified that he was not known to be violent. They didn't believe him to uh, be capable of murder. Now, Mark's defense will point out that the evidence was the same now as it was back then. Back when you said this was a justifiable homicide. Nothing's changed. And they try to paint Roger Harrington as an unstable mental case whose behavior, like parking outside and stalking Donna, was erratic and unpredictable. So you can't really make logical assumptions based off of his movements or his actions. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a very difficult case for law enforcement because at the time of the 911 call, you have Mark Winger saying, I shot and killed a man. So he's not denying that he didn't kill that person. So to me, the the crux of all this is to prove that Mark actually killed his wife. Well, and you have the defense who's going to, of course, try to undermine Deanne's testimony, which I think is some of the the biggest and, and worst testimony against Mark in this case. Yeah, not so much for the affair, but the comments that he was making. Like you said, uh, if my wife was dead, we could be together. Or if I could just get this van driver into the house. Yeah, I think when you see it and you have this woman testifying to both the affair and these actions, it, it gets really difficult to explain that, that away or look past any of that. Yeah, it's almost an indirect confession. But the the defense, of course, is going to say, hey, this woman's unstable. We can't believe what she's saying. But what we will find out, of course, the jury did in fact believe her, especially when you compound that with all of the other evidence in this case, the crime scene evidence. Well, yeah, again, you you have this person that's basically telling you he indirectly confessed. The forensic evidence doesn't lie. So that is just confirming her story, really. Doesn't lie, but it seemed to have been ignored the first time. The It only took the jury 13 hours of deliberation to find Mark Winger guilty on both counts of murder. On August 1st, 2002, Mark Winger was sentenced to life in prison with no parole for the murder of Donna and Roger Harrington. Right. His appeal was rejected. He has never acknowledged his guilt or showed any sign of remorse. In fact, Five months into his sentence, he gave an interview with 48 hours in which he maintained his innocence. But if you tell yourself a lie over and over, then maybe you start believing it. Yeah, he did admit to the affair, but uh, did not admit to the the murder. He says right. that he was a, a good husband to Donna. He made a mistake. He's human. It was a stupid thing, and it was wrong. As for Roger Harrington, the picture the police had initially gotten of him turned out to have been somewhat exaggerated. His former wife once accused him of domestic battery. It appears that um, his friends and family said that he was 
a sweet and kind individual. He was helpful. He was someone who rounded up baby clothes for, for a friend who didn't have much money. He was, in fact, diagnosed as depressed and delusional and sometimes suicidal. And he did spend time in a psychiatric ward. It appears to be maybe even twice treated at a local mental health facility. But none of these doctors ever deemed him to be a threat to anyone else but himself. Right. In any case, if anyone had any doubts that remained about Mark's guilt even after his conviction, well, that's going to be completely eradicated. In uh, 2005, he tried to hire a fellow Pontiac Correctional Center prisoner to carry out some murders for him. Yeah, again, how bizarre, how bizarre. And they know this because the prisoner went and approached investigators and had plenty of information to back it up. So the general story here, Captain, is that Mark tried to hire this guy. This is 44-year-old convicted murderer Terry Hubble to hire a hitman to kill some people for him. So it's, you know, the middleman. We need to get a middleman. Let's yeah. get let's get one bad dude here to find some other bad dude to Who did he want dead? Oh, he wanted a bunch of people dead. So Mark was willing to hire through Terry Hubble a hitman to take out Mark's childhood friend. This is Jeffrey Gelman. Jeffrey was a wealthy, successful real estate developer from Florida. Mark was upset with him because Mark asked him to pay his one million dollar bail to which Jeffrey Gelman refused. Well, the, the problem with paying his bail is this guy is a flight risk. If he's willing to try to uh, murder two individuals and then try to stage it where he is the hero, you can't, th- this guy can't be trusted. Yeah, you're not putting up a million dollars of your own money to get some guy out that likely killed two people. I mean, Mark is a real shitbag. So what, what Mark wanted done was he, he wanted a, a hitman to kidnap his childhood friend, this Jeffrey Gilman, who was very wealthy. And he wanted him to, to hold Jeffrey for ransom. What they were going to do is have the kidnapper threaten to harm Jeffrey's family unless Jeffrey paid up the money. And then after Jeffrey pays up the money, he wanted the hitman to kill Jeffrey and his family anyway. The other thing he was willing to pay for was that he wanted his, the the number one witness against him, Deanne Schultz, the woman that he had the affair with. He wanted her to be killed as well, but he wanted her to, you know, you, you find her and you force her to write a letter saying that she lied. Right. You force her to record make a recording of a statement of her saying that she lied, that Mark Winger had nothing to do with Donna's death and that she had made the whole thing up and then make it look like a suicide. So Mark is not only trying to hire someone to kill a bunch of people. He's also trying to make it so that he will get a new trial and possibly get out of prison. That if Deanna Schultz story changes, Maybe everybody looks at this evidence a little bit different. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe if you get an appeal that you could argue, well, she recanted her story. So she's recanting the indirect confession. But what I said before, what backs up that indirect confession is the forensic evidence. Mark also wanted the hitman to take care of his ex-father-in-law as well. And apparently this was just because he did not like him. So... What we have here as evidence from Terry Hubble to back up this statement is that Mark wrote out 19 pages of instructions, right? It's written out for hire, a, a murder for hire document. There's a great article that you, you can look up. I'm not going to go into the, the whole thing here, but there's a great article if you want to look further uh, by Chris Detro from June 2007 from the Benton news. But basically captain, what this is, is it's 19 pages detailing how he wanted everything to play out. 
it's a very long version. Like this kind of reminds me of, of a movie moment here and red dragon. You have the, the communication between Hannibal, the cannibal lector and the tooth fairy Francis Dollarhide where the police, where the FBI discover communication between the two. And we have Lecter telling Francis Dollarhide, Graham home marathon, Florida, save yourself, kill them all. I mean, this is 19 pages of this guy saying, I want this person, this person, this person, and their family killed. And I'm willing to pay you for it. I guess a big chunk of that money would be from the ransom that they would collect from taking this Jeffrey Gelman hostage and threatening his family and then killing him anyway. Yeah. And all I have to say about Mark is, Hey Mark, use a piece of shit, a gigantic flaming pile of shit. Real quick here, captain, this uh, convicted killer, Terry Hubble, he's, so he's kind of an interesting story himself because he was already in prison some for some other charges when in 1991 he was indicted by a grand jury for the murder of a 14-year-old. This is Angel Greenwood. She died from head injuries all the way back in July of 1983. They were able to indict him and charge and convict him all of those years later. So now you have here a guy that's murdered a child, another guy who's been convicted of murdering Roger Harrington and murdering his own wife, Donna Winger. You got both of them telling two very different stories to investigators. One killer telling on the other killer, Hey, this guy's trying to hire me to find somebody to kill all these other people for him. And here's some paperwork to back it up. What you have here though, is you have Mark Winger, the the flip side of that, the reverse of that, is Mark Winger saying, look, I'm locked up. I'm locked up for the rest of my life. I These are just simply fantasies that I wrote down. These are fantasies that I was writing, that I was you know, journaling, and this guy got a hold of them somehow, and now he's trying to benefit from it. So this thing goes to court, and there is a battle, and we said how quickly the jury deliberated in his his murder trial against Roger Harrington and his wife, Donna Winger, it was even shorter deliberation for this trial. I think they were only, they they only took a break to discuss this for about three hours. And I think in the course of that, they had lunch as well. And so they end up finding Mark guilty of trying to hire someone to kill all of these people. And when you think about it, well, you said what, 19 pages. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of evidence to, try to argue away his defense will argue that terry hubble did in fact benefit from throwing mark under the bus which he did i mean he got sent off to a different prison which was a much more relaxed environment the state even paid him three thousand dollars three thousand and some odd dollars uh for his assistance in this conviction but to me it just i mean i was really blown away by just how evil and cold this Mark Winger is. I mean, to, to think about, think about the situation. He basically gets handed. He basically gets handed on a silver platter, a situation that he was looking for. He was looking for a way to take out his wife. And then all of a sudden Roger Harrington comes along and they have this crazy drive back to her home these phone calls start coming into the home and this guy's getting all happy. He's getting excited. He's like, not only did this fall right into my lap, yeah, but I have, there's documentation and my wife, Donna has gone out of her way and spoke to her family and her friends about her being afraid of this guy and this guy calling our house and he's harassing us. If I can just get him back to the house, I can hammer my wife to death and then turn the gun on this guy and put him over by the body, and boom, open and shut case. My wife is dead. This guy killed her, and I'm the hero. Everybody feels sad for me. That I mean, that is completely diabolical. And then you have just a handful of years later, 
he's looking to hire somebody to take out a whole family of people from some guy that just he grew up with that he knew that's not willing to put up fork over a million dollars to let him out of jail while he waits for his trial and he wants to kill his father-in-law step his wife's stepfather just because he doesn't like him and then kill the woman that he once had an affair with i mean that's a long list of people ironically and i say it ironically because he's not this monster looking dude that is out praying for victims he does look like a penis with glasses though out trolling the streets looking for victims but he is every bit as evil as some of those guys that we've talked about btk ted bundy this guy is is one of the most evil individuals that we have discussed on this show and i don't know if it's a huge red flag because again it's a 911 call so if you take it at face value he is calling about this horrific scene that's playing out in front of him. But when he says there's a bullet in him and Harrington, and then they find two as much as investigators got this right in the end and forensic science got this right in the end. It's a shame that they didn't wave those red flags sooner and that they didn't dive deeper into the evidence to collect that. And because look, they could have said, look, there's a bunch of red flags here, but we still kind of, you know, if we have to lean one way, we still think that he's possibly innocent. And then when another piece of evidence comes out and you dive back into the case, or you have to reopen that case, you could see all the red flags staring right at you. But it's, it's almost like they were just too quick to solve the case and move on. Well, I, I can agree with some of that. I don't know if it was too quick. I think maybe some of it, it looked like what they were being told and what they thought they were seeing. One thing that we haven't touched on yet, and it's a little interesting tidbit here in regard to the neighbor, the ear witness who says, I heard a gunshot and then it was minutes and minutes later until I heard a second gunshot. And you're exactly right, Captain. We have Mark Winger on the phone to 911 and says, a bullet in his head. And then they show up and this guy shot twice. Well, what investigators believe went down is that we know both the victims, Deborah Winger and Roger Harrington, were still barely clinging to life when EMTs arrive on the scene. But what they believe happened now is that when Mark says to the 911 operator, I've got to go, my baby's screaming, my baby's crying, is that he actually heard Roger Harrington who was, was, again, we know he was still alive, but he was a little too alive right. at that point, that he hears Roger Harrington either trying to get up or making noise, and he knows, I've already alerted the police and EMT to get here pronto. I need to make sure that he's dead, that everybody's dead before they show up, because these two are going to have a much different story to tell when police are here. Right, and you can actually hear on the 911 call, can hear Harrington moaning. So they believe that he got off the phone and didn't go tend to the baby right away or go over to his wife right away that he went over. And that's when the second shot was fired into Roger Harrington. Here's one weird thing here too, captain, uh, to kind of close this out a bit. The, the judge ends up giving Mark Winger, an additional 35 years on top of his already life sentence, that for the murder for hire plot. Right, because he he got a life sentence with no possibility of parole. Correct, correct. And then what we have is, you know, this guy, he won't go away. This wasn't the last time that we would hear from Mark because in 2009, he ended up suing the prison that he was housed in. And he was suing some of the administration there, alleging that they were not allowing him to exercise outside of his cell, saying that this was cruel and unusual punishment. This is a guy that's murdered two people and was happy and hoping to murder a bunch more. Uh, He had been restricted to his cell for a year after this murder for hire plot. And he said that being confined in a small space was not enough room for any type of physical activity, which was giving him panic attacks and anxiety. So 
you know, I don't think anybody's feeling bad for Mark Winger. Eventually, though, we'll all be happy to know that that case was very quickly dismissed. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for joining us here in the garage. I'm very excited to announce that me and Bob Ruff from Truth and Justice and Kelly from True Crime IRL will be doing a live event April 16th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more details, check out CaptainFatHands.com. Click on the events page. Colonel, my good buddy, my good pal, do we have any recommended reading this week? Yes, we do, our beautiful captain. This week we are recommending Tears of Rage by John Walsh. From Grieving Father to Crusader for Justice, the untold story of Adam Walsh case. True crime readers know John Walsh. He has several great books out there. And true crime watchers know John Walsh from his time with America's Most Wanted. This is one of his books But this is the one that features the Adam Walsh case, the murder and abduction of his child. Check out Tears of Rage by the great John Walsh. You can find that great title and many more on our website, truecrimegarage.com. Just click on the recommended page. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't listen. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.